0: Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 159 of Leading Simple, Hope and Help for the Overwhelmed. I'm Rusty George and today, if you're overwhelmed with your marriage, If you just feel like you are at wit's end, you don't know what to do next, or maybe you've got a family member that's in that boat and you want to help them out, this is going to be a huge help for you. I am joined by Toni Newhoff, who is a family law mediator and former divorce attorney. How's that for a background? She's the wife of Carrie Newhoff, who's been a guest on the podcast a couple of times, and they speak openly and publicly about their marriage of more than three decades and some of the difficult difficult times they've been through. Tony is an incredible speaker and author, and her latest book, Before You Split, walks through how to manage a marriage so it doesn't end in divorce. You're going to love this stuff. It is so, so helpful. And you're going to want to share it with a friend, so make sure that you already do that right now in anticipation. Well, today we're sponsored again by Red Letter Challenge. This is one of those resources you just got to get. It's a 40-day study on the words of Jesus, categorizes them into five groups, and then there's another study out there called Being, which is a, kind of an offshoot of Red Letter Challenge, which is so great, but you can get all this information at redletterchallenge.com. So make sure that you check it out. Our friends over there, Zach Sender, his wife, their family, they just do such a great job, and I know you're going to love it. Well, if you have questions or if you'd even like to sponsor the show, you can contact me rgeorge at reallifechurch.org, or you can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter, RustyLGeorge. L. George. Well, I am so excited about this conversation. I'm not going to talk any longer. Let's jump right into it. My conversation with Tony Newhoff. Well, Tony, thank you so much for joining us here on Leading Simple. We're trying to make things that are overwhelmed a bit more simple. And one of the most overwhelming things that so many of us deal with are our relationships and specifically you get married, and everything is, seems wonderful at the wedding. You know, it's just a you know, picture perfect. And then things begin to change a little bit. So your new book, before you split, really begins to tackle some of those issues. Uh, tell me a little bit about your passion behind this.
1: Well, I, I practiced as a divorce attorney um, for a number of years, and I've I witnessed people being shocked about. The gap between what they were expecting out of their divorce and what actually happened, mm. uh, and uh, on top of that, Carrie and I went through uh, several years of struggle in our marriage, and uh, and and I mean deep struggle. We re- actually did reach the point where uh, I even had to ask myself, "Is this what the end looks like?" Mm. And uh, and combining those two experiences, I uh, I felt there were some things that people didn't really see clearly when they went into a divorce. I mean, you can never see exactly how things are going to work out. Um, but uh, I, I thought um, there, there were ways that, um, that people weren't seeing the implications of, hmm. of their decisions. And also, Carrie and I went through the long healing process. And now we're at such a great place in our marriage that I wanted to share some of the solutions that we'd found along the way
0: hmm. Now, through being a divorce attorney, uh, man, I can't imagine being married to a divorce attorney. That must be like being married to a therapist or something. You know, they kind <laughs> of they've got some skills that I don't, but of course, carries a uh, an attorney as well. But years as a divorce attorney, you observe that uh, couples in troubled marriages have basically three options for the future. Can you explain what that is? And you kind of alluded to that, knowing what's ahead of you. What are those three options?
1: I, I, say, I call them split, survive and save hmm. I think people often think that the options are should I stay or should I go yeah. but I like to talk about the third option of, of surviving because uh, it's clarifying I, I think it helps people define where they're at in their relationship so I would say surviving is staying together under one roof staying in your marriage but being emotionally disconnected Mm-hmm. Carrie and I were in that place. So if there's someone who's listening who finds themselves there, I, I would say don't panic. It doesn't mean that, you know that that's where you have to stay uh but it may be uh it may be a season maybe a temporary season in your relationship where you can work on transitioning to a place where you've really saved your marriage mm-hmm. where you have that deep satisfaction and that sense of having each other's backs and being connected so yeah the three options split survive or save um yeah the, uh, those are the three that that i see
0: yeah i think that um We just assume that walking away will make it easier uh, and it doesn't always do that. And, and certainly during this, you know, the past 18 months of COVID life, quarantine life, I mean, it really turned up the heat on everything. And to kind of use that analogy of when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, whatever's on the inside does come out. And, and it's almost like the last 18 months just kind of squeezed all marriages and whatever was in there came out. Um, There's probably some people listening that are thinking, Boy, I, I saw a side of my spouse I did not like, or I am a I saw something in me I did not like, and maybe this relationship is not going to work. What would you say to somebody who's
1: feeling that way? Yeah, I think this has been an intense period, and when people are under pressure, uh, especially if there's a, you know a whole set of layers of problems, you know, Mm -hmm. that kids are home, and there's financial stress, and uh, you can't, uh, you you can't carry out your lives the way you normally do. Uh, There's bound to be some problems and people get heated, they say things they don't mean to say, they do things they don't mean to do. Uh, But often, uh, even though it may seem like uh, it's your spouse who is mainly the problem in the in the relationship often i find that there is also some way that i'm contributing to the problem as well mm. and yes there may be weaknesses i mean we all have weaknesses so so when we're in close quarters we're more likely to see our spouse's weaknesses and they might become amplified you know what you focus on expands so they they may seem to be larger than life. Um, but when you step back from that perspective, there may also be ways that that I'm contributing to this problem that I'm complaining about. And if I can shift my focus to me and search out what my role is, what I may be adding to this struggle, then I think we're a lot more likely to, to make progress. And certainly the self-focus can help me grow into a more loving version of myself. And that's right. going to help everyone.
0: I love that phrase. You just said there, what you focus on expands. Can you talk more about that?
1: Yeah. Carrie and I, when we were really struggling, we got stuck in this negative mindset. Hmm. And I remember for myself, I had a hard time at one point actually appreciating Carrie's strengths. Uh, I mean, I I was sitting with a friend venting about what was going on in our marriage. and, And then because we were struggling so much, all I could see were the negatives. And it took her starting to talk to me about Carrie's positive qualities, which, you know, I can look at now and say, well, of course, you know, of course he's a loving Mm -hmm. father and he's a loyal husband and he has all these gifts. But when, when we were stuck in our season of conflict, it was so hard to shift my mind out of that negative space. Um, you know, when, Mm -hmm. when couples are divorcing, uh, we would we would call it family loss psychosis it seemed to be that you know people would would almost lose touch with reality or there was this distorted perception of their spouse that would take over and it's it's tough it's tough to be in that space and I know it's very confusing um and and all I would say is that to prevent that you really need to keep at the forefront of your mind those qualities that initially attracted you to each other and even make them a part of your conversation with each other even if you're if you're struggling with conflict fine you know, you, you need to look for solutions to that. But at the same time, is there a way that you can pull yourself back and still notice and compliment your spouse for uh, for their good qualities and, and not get so deep into that negative space? I, I know that would have helped me in that stage. And, and I bet I'm probably not the only one who's mm-hmm. faced that struggle.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's a uh, marriage counselor. um John Gottman, that talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse when um, uh, you know divorce is looming. One of them is what you think about your spouse. And what I hear you saying is, boy, if, if you could shift your thinking to the positive, it might send your marriage in a different trajectory. Do you see that to be true?
1: Absolutely. And they've actually done research to show that uh, couples who are successfully married um, do tend to have a five to one ratio in their communication with each other hmm. so five positives to every one complaint or airing of a difference and and by positives uh, i don't necessarily mean that you need to you know like check off five compliments in a day that's <laughs> that's not what i'm talking about but positives would also be uh you know the affectionate touch the body language the turning toward and uh, and so you know, five of those positives to every one negative is something to shoot for. Um, if you're in a negative place right now, you may need to transition to um, to that ratio. But if you're curious, I would say even do an audit. You know, see where how how do you measure up to that standard mm-hmm. in the ways you communicate to your spouse.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, that was probably researched and written long before cell phones and just the ability to look up off your screen and look your spouse in the eye, that goes a long way, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. I've noticed that, uh, you know, if I put down the remote, if I put down the phone, uh, if I point my feet towards my, my wife and listen and talk, then it it makes a lot more uh, of an impact than just a flippant statement while I'm scanning channels. Right. <laughs>
1: That's a challenge for all of us these days.
0: I know because we we all believe the lie that we're multitaskers, especially guys. and I think it's proven that men can't multitask and it just the uh, the idea of being able to think we can do everything at the same time is just is just wrong. Speaking of lies that we believe, you talk about this lie that you believe this mud that you brought into your marriage of this idea that you're you're better off alone. Um, How did you find that lie, discover it was a lie, and how did you replace it with something that was true?
1: Mm -hmm. I think the the first clue for me was that I I recognized that in my Christian walk, uh, I had beliefs about God, but they just didn't seem to resonate at a heart level. Mm. So there seemed to be this brain heart disconnect. And my spiritual journey led me to the place where I recognized that I didn't really trust God. I didn't really trust other people. And uh, it made me wonder, too, about my emotional connection with my spiritual life. You know, it seemed that uh, I really couldn't access love and joy and peace. And yet that's what uh, our faith promised. And so I... Uh, I went on a journey uh, to chase that down. And as part of that journey, I did start counseling. Um I, I also noticed that there were clues from my from my emotional responses. So, for example, one time Carrie and I were on vacation, and all of a sudden, I just found myself in this in this deep despair, like, weeping on the couch. And I, it, I didn't know why there was nothing I could really attach that experience to. Um, but it, it wasn't just, you know, an hour or two, it, it went on. And after a day or two, I was fine again, and we came back home. And at that point, I had a choice. I could either go to a counselor and try to figure out what was underneath that. Like, why? Why did I have that? emotional reaction Uh, it was just a clue and uh, I could have carried on with my life because I was I was able to go back to work and I could volunteer and I could parent and I could do all the things Um, but I, I didn't want to ignore that clue so I did start counseling at that point um, so I, I found that through Christian counseling and and spiritual growth and messages and reading and friends and small group it was really a multifaceted approach to uh, getting underneath um, some of the the uh, triggers and emotional clues that that I was noticing in in my personal life but also in my marriage. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think the counseling part is so key that a lot of us are hesitant to do because we just assume that's an admission of failure or I don't know where to begin. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think it's helpful for people to know that counselors are trained to get that information out of you. You just got to show up (laughs) and they'll kind of guide you through it. That's the hardest part, right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: it it feels scary to go on that kind of journey. I, I think people commonly experience an internal resistance to it, you know, and whether that's because uh, we're feeling embarrassed or feeling that, you know, I shouldn't have these problems, you know, I have my life together. Um, but, you know, especially if you've gone through hurtful experience in, in the past, or if you've had trauma, then there may be ways that um, those experiences are impacting your life currently without you really understanding. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly what happened in our case, in our marriage. Uh, I didn't realize the implications of the trauma I'd been through and how they were factoring into, you know, even the ways that Carrie and I were trying to resolve conflict and our communication with each other and our relationships with other people. Uh, and, And so I found that the counseling journey was invaluable for me. Mm-hmm.
0: I think there's so much good work doing going on out there from counselors in the area of family of origin. I think we all know that we sometimes behave like our parents, but I think we underestimate what has been passed down to us from them, grandparents and the like, just the story of our families that taint the way we see things, relationships, divorce, if you have a lot of divorce in your family, you're more likely to do it. If you don't have much, you're more likely just to try to survive. Have you seen that in the couples that you work with as being a divorce attorney, that you kind of see a pattern that keeps going on?
1: It's it's hard for me to recognize a pattern from my practice. Mm. Uh, although I can say for sure that there were a, a couple of clients I had who uh, described that pretty much everyone in their in their family had been through a divorce, you know, their parents, their siblings. And so it, you know, it would be um it would be the natural conclusion that you would yeah. make if you really hit a rough spot in in your marriage mm-hmm. um, that if everyone else around you is divorced, then, you know, that would be the solution that you'd be drawn toward and that your family members would be supporting mm-hmm. for you. Oh, yeah. um,
0: That's a good point. Uh,
1: you know, it, it. the research shows that friends really do have an impact on each other hmm. in their decisions to divorce. So there's a group of researchers who found that um, that if your friend, if you have a friend who is divorced and it's, you know, one of your immediate circle of friends, then you are 73% more likely to make a choice to divorce. Wow. And the influence even extends to friends of friends. If you have a friend of a friend who's divorced, your your risk still increases. Uh, and their conclusion was that Basically, to uh, to attend to the health of your friends' marriages uh, also helps to attend to your own marriage's health. <laughs> so there is definitely an impact. In uh, in our communities, you know, in the the friendship circles we have, and the only reason I bring this out in our conversation is uh, is that I, I really want people who are struggling in their marriage, or even who really want their marriage to succeed, to check that they have. A friend or a couple who really want their marriage to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm not saying is that you shouldn't have friends who are divorced. Um, you know, I have close friends and family members who've been through a divorce, and that's not my message. But uh, I think we do influence each other, and it it helps us to have people we can lean into During our rough times, you know when we need to vent, um, to be able to lean into someone else who does want your marriage to win.
0: Excuse me, let me interrupt the podcast for just one second. We are quickly approaching 1 million downloads. That's so exciting. I cannot thank our listeners enough, so I want to give out some gifts. We're going to give out some autographed books, we're going to give out some resources, and we're going to give out a secret ingredient... In much of the food I grew up on in the Midwest, and I still use it today, nope, it's nothing I've created. It's a product that is an additive for your food. It's healthy. It's good. You've never thought about this particular spice before. You're going to love it. It's going to be in the pack. Just go to PastorRustyGeorge.com. Sign up for the chance to win this gift packet. We're going to give out a bunch of them. Make sure you do that. Okay, back to the episode.
1: Be able to lean into someone else who does want your marriage to win.
0: Mm, that's really interesting. I think about and I'm just I'm just spitballing here, but it seems to me like our our close friend circle obviously provides you know some, not only some authority in our lives but some influence in our life and and certainly because of social media, because of the podcasts we listen to, the books we read, those become authority voices in our head, and if they have a low, um, uh, I don't know, a low understanding or respect for marriage and kind of the fulfillment of the vows, it seems like that's all going to weigh in on you and begin to maybe kind of anesthetize yourself to these decisions of cheating, uh, divorce, walking away, those kind of things. I mean, we have a lot of voices in our head that we would consider to be friends or become voices of friends. That kind of way into this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Carrie and I were struggling, I've, I had a close friend who really was pushing me toward a decision hmm. to divorce. And when you're in that place of really struggling, it's confusing. Mm-hmm. You have all kinds of mixed emotions. You have the impulse to run away from the pain. You have the question about you know, did I even sign up for a lifetime of misery? And in that place, I'm I'm grateful. I'm so so grateful that I had other voices in my life, who were encouraging and who said, "You too can get through this." And you know, we're praying for you, and they would pray with us. Uh, so it's um, I think it's important to recognize that sometimes. We have to step back from the advice that we're getting and really question it. You know, go slow when you're making important decisions, especially this decision about what what to do with the future of your marriage.
0: Yeah. Speaking of of kind of taking it slow, there are some couples that say we're sticking together because of the kids and some couples that say we're splitting up because of the kids because we don't want to show them this is what love is like. What would you say to that?
1: That's a, a hard place to be because I know I worked with so many parents who just wanted the best for their kids. You know, you you want the best for your kids. And so I, I totally understand that feeling of not wanting your kids to be exposed to unhealthy conflict, uh, not wanting them to experience their mm. parents as in a, a cold war or, you know, having this icy relationship The thing is that when you have that kind of pain in your relationship and you have kids, you can imagine sort of packing up the relationship problems in a box and putting them aside if you get a divorce, you know, Mm -hmm. that you are taking care of at least that problem. But once you divorce and you're on the other side, what most of my clients discovered is that they received a second box and in that box there were the financial problems and stresses they there were um serious questions over who should spend what time with the kids as a parent you know what that parenting schedule would look like who's going to make decisions for the kids are they going to still live in the same neighborhood the same community the same city and all of these questions are are things that uh that in reality most couples have to negotiate well the negotiation is complicated because the relationship problems are still there and You know, when you're making those kinds of decisions, they get intensified. So if you think your fighting is bad before you divorce, many people discover that it's even worse once they make Mm -hmm. that decision. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the reason I, 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 I plead with parents, really, to take it slow in making a decision is that for the sake of your kids, you're going to have to figure out how to have a more cooperative relationship with each other anyway, you need to do that one way or the other, whether it means you need to go to counseling, uh, you need to double down on your spiritual growth, you know, you need to ask the tough question, ask that tough, tough question of, of God. Uh, you know, the one that David asked when he said, see if there is any offensive way in me mm-hmm. and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, those soul-searching questions that are hard to ask. Um, and the, the reason being, your kids need you to be able to treat each other with some level of kindness and respect or at least civility mm. for their own emotional well being.
0: Yeah.
1: And the, the this phase, if your children are young, it has such far reaching implications in their life and in their development. Mm-hmm. So so I, I tell parents to to take it slow when you're making a decision for the sake of your kids Um, because maybe in the course of trying to figure out whatever it is that is causing so much uh, animosity between the two of you or maybe is causing bitterness or even contempt, maybe in the process of untangling that you'll be able to make a shift that may actually influence your relationship in Mm -hmm. a, in a better direction.
0: That's such good advice. I I think that we, we just assume everything's going to be better, and it's not. It's now just a new set of problems. So, uh, I recognize there are some people out there that, boy, they're dealing with some very difficult issues. There's abuse involved. There's neglect involved. There's mm. there's a lot of bad blood between them. Um, what do you have to say about taking the first step when you don't necessarily, um, you know, ha- know that you're partner has your back or maybe you want things to survive Mm -hmm. or to, you know, to be saved, but they don't. I mean, how how do you begin to reconcile this a little bit?
1: Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you asked that question uh, because I, I would definitely not want to encourage somebody to stay in a relationship if it's Harmful in some way. Right. I like to draw this distinction between a harmful marriage and an unhappy marriage. That's good. So even though, you know, Carrie and I would get triggered and, and when we were triggered, we would say things we didn't mean to say, do things we didn't mean to do, but there was a mutuality to it and neither of us were actually unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, there are marriages where uh, there's, toxic or destructive or violent behavior Um, you mentioned abuse abusive behavior Uh, I I know that sometimes it's really hard to draw that line and to figure out whether your marriage is harmful or whether it's unhappy. So I I would encourage anyone who has that question in their mind to reach out and talk to someone they trust Mm. and respect. So whether it's your counselor, whether it's a pastor, a doctor, uh, a wise mentor, uh, I, I would strongly encourage you to have a conversation and be completely honest and open about why you're asking that question and then follow their advice.
0: Mm, that's really good. You know, speaking of difficult situations, sometimes there's a, there's a need for forgiveness to happen, obviously, but you have this great line. You say, for mercy to fully do its work like mortar it must be mixed with the water of humility. Can you unpack that a little bit for us?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many couples who are struggling, especially if they've been married for years, have a forgiveness problem. Mm. They have unforgiven grievances that may have piled up, maybe a wall between you and Getting into a a practice and a habit of forgiving each other is something that you may need to build. You may not have started it really in any any way, but it's uh, it's time, regardless of what what happens with the future of your marriage, for your own benefit. You need to take this forgiveness journey seriously. And so, uh, so you mentioned mortar and water. Uh, And I talk about three ingredients for building this practice of forgiveness. So the stones represent justice. The mortar represents mercy and the water represents humility. Mm. So taking the stones first, the, the justice part of it is is the part that you can't ignore you can't ignore the facts of what has happened in all of these incidents that have led to all of these grievances, uh, you can't ignore the facts of the story and the feelings attached to them, you need to be honest about them, you need to unpack them, you need to talk about it, it may take a few conversations because you might get triggered in the meantime but, um, but you need to go through those conversations um, even if you need help to get through them and uh, in addition to paying attention to justice, you also need to be able to reach a point where you can view your spouse through the lens of mercy, to be able to see them as a person who is a mixture of virtue and brokenness, just like you, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And then you also need to be able to, even despite the hurt that you may be feeling, you need to be able to view yourself with humility uh, to, to be able to own up to, you know, what I've done, what I've said, what I've contributed to this. And I I talk about building your, habit and practice of forgiveness as as in building stone steps. So you can imagine that if I gave you those three ingredients and I asked you to build stone steps out of them, it would be a mess, right? You're going to have the mortar and the water and the stones and it's it's messy and so you try to form these steps. Um, but when you actually do the work and you persevere and you go through the mess and put those stones together mm. and, and go through those awkward conversations that that you would need to, to start off actually forgiving each other, and then you form the steps and you use them and you use them over and over again, they can be steps that take you to higher ground, mm. you know, to a much more beautiful place in your relationship together.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a great metaphor. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are probably listening to this thinking, you know, I think that you just don't understand how lonely or disconnected I feel right now from my, from my spouse. Any encouragement you have for them about moving closer rather than moving on?
1: Yeah. Feeling lonely in your marriage is a tough place to be. The good news is there are, very practical ways that you can move closer to each other. Uh, one of them is uh, is shared experiences. You know, intimacy is made of shared experiences. And there maybe there's uh, a new hobby, a new activity, something that you're both interested in that you can start doing together. Even if right now, you know, you would do it more out of obedience than out of, uh, you know, a, a feeling of the worms and fuzzies. <laughs> um, but those shared experiences can lead you in the direction of actually feeling closer to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and also pay attention to the way you handle each other's emotions. I think many couples get tripped up by either ignoring, dismissing, Uh, you know, jumping into problem solving, just not paying attention to each other's emotions. Mm -hmm. And we are wired as humans to be connected to each other. And part of our closeness involves being able to create a safe emotional space for each other, Mm -hmm. where it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be sad. Um, you know, all emotions are okay. Not all actions are okay. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't do whatever you want when you're angry. But uh, for example, you know, if Carrie comes home from a meeting and he's really frustrated over how that meeting went down, then it's way more helpful for me to say, wow, you know, that sounds like a terrible meeting. I would have been frustrated too if I was in your shoes And just acknowledge that emotion than it is for me to say, oh, Carrie, well, did you try talking to Bob? Because this is something that's happened before. If I jump over his emotion and jump straight into problem solving, that actually has a negative impact on our closeness. Mm -hmm.
0: Or worse, look at him and say, can't you leave your work at the office? Why would you <laughs> Why would you bring yes. that home?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think there are ways that we don't even appreciate that we're mishandling each other's emotions and creating a, a safe emotional space for each other is far more bonding.
0: Right. Oh, that's good. Well, this has been so helpful. The book is fantastic. Is this your first book?
1: It's my first cover to cover book. Yes.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, you write like you've done this for a long time. Writing is not always easy. Getting the word out about it is even worse. And you're doing a great job with that. Thank you for writing this because I think it's going to help a lot, a lot of families. And I, I heard this metaphor years ago. A pastor gave me this wise advice. He said, Rusty, when people call you over to their house with a problem to solve, it's like they've taken a two-liter bottle, shaken it up, opened it up all over their living room and asked you to come put it back in. <laughs> in other words, it's the damage is already done. And I think what happens is people, they, they ask for help or they read a book like this way too late. This book is so helpful before you even begin to shake up the two-liter. Uh, it really is helpful to just kind of safeguard your marriage And for those marriages that are in trouble, this book will help. Uh, And even if you've been through a divorce, this book will help you to understand things that you could do different the next time around. Uh, It's so encouraging. So thank you for writing it. Where can people find the book, find out more about you, and connect with you?
1: Yeah, everything is at my website, TonyNewhoff.com. I'm also on social channels, on Instagram under my name, Tony Newhoff, uh, Facebook uh, the same, and uh, and Twitter as well. So I'm uh, thrilled to hear from anyone who has questions or uh, would like to reach out.
0: Awesome. Well, can you just spell your last name for us, for those of us that aren't Canadian?
1: Sure, yes. It's N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F. There's way too many vowels, but if you look up before you split, that will be an easier way to find my name.
0: That's right. You almost have all the vowels in there. That is fantastic. (laughs) Is this a common Canadian name, or is this still unique up there?
1: uh no not a common name it's it's dutch
0: oh that's so right so that yes.
1: first that initial that new n-i-e-u-w that is a a common um that's a, a term in in dutch but uh okay. yeah it's too many vowels that's in awesome. in our culture <laughs>
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for spending some time with us and all the best on the book and I'm sure all the uh, speaking engagements that will come from it, and thanks again for writing it.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate your ministry, and and, uh, it was my pleasure to be here.
0: Wow, that was so, so helpful. I am so grateful for that. I want to make sure you pick up the book before you split. It's a great read. It's very, very helpful. And I know you got somebody in your life that I think can benefit from this. Maybe it's your daughter and her husband or your son and his wife, or you've got uh, some people who are engaged and you think, boy, they should hear this before. Um, And maybe you run a marriage ministry at your church or you want to put together a small group with this. Hey, share this with some people. Uh, Just pass this podcast along. Cost you nothing, could help them out tremendously. And I want to encourage you to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and write a review if you get a chance, because that would be a huge way to get the word out as to what we are doing. Special thanks to Red Letter Challenge and their support uh, for the podcast. And next week, we're going to have a great conversation with an educator, a college professor, and now a college and university president, Dr. Paul Alexander. And we're going to talk about getting your kids ready for school in the post-pandemic world. What has changed in their mindset? How do we get ready to go back to school? And I think this is going to be really, really helpful for you and your family. I know it was helpful for me in just dealing with my own mental health. So that's coming up next week. Make sure that you check that out. Thanks again for listening to Leading Simple, help for the overwhelmed. We'll see you next week.